Welcome to the Talent Development Think Tank Podcast. The number one podcast for learning and talent development professionals. Now here's your host, Andy Storch. Welcome to the Talent Development Think Tank Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Storch, and I'm excited that you're joining me today for another episode and conversation to help you up your game and improve your capabilities in the world of talent development. And you know, we talk a lot about all kinds of different topics and subjects around talent development. And I think sometimes it's good to just stop and check in with what's going on in the world of talent development. We're in a new year now. We're recording this in February of 2024, so just a month into the new year. And we're kind of in a I would say a a crazy uncertain market, lots of things going different ways. And I saw a great post on LinkedIn today from a friend of mine, and I wanted to bring him on the podcast because he's someone who, like me, is having lots and lots of conversations with people in the talent development world. And I thought it'd be interesting to dig into that. So my guest today is a powerhouse on LinkedIn, sharing consistently great content, often about what's going on in the talent development industry. Darren McKee is currently VP of Sales and Strategic Partnership at Sky, which provides personalized coaching at scale. He's also a LinkedIn expert with over 100,000 followers on LinkedIn and a monthly cohort program that sells out regularly. And I'm excited to welcome him on to talk about what he's seeing currently in the L&D and coaching spaces, as well as what's going on with LinkedIn. Darren, welcome to the show. Man, thank you so much. I'm so glad that was recorded. It was like the best intro I've ever got. <laughs> um, so no, man, I'm I'm so thrilled to be here and um, happy to hopefully share a little bit of wisdom and insight and things that I'm seeing uh, on the streets of talent development and also uh, around LinkedIn and, and life in general, because I think all of them tie together. So man, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're here too. I'm glad you like the intro. I actually pride myself on uh, creating great introductions, not just for a podcast. I love introducing yeah. friends in person at events and stuff like that and, and hyping people up. It's always fun. But you really have, you and I just really connected personally recently. And I think we've been kind of connected on LinkedIn and following each other for a while, but you've really been doing some awesome stuff. And one of the things thing that I think is really impressive and interesting to note for people listening, because you're listening to a conversation between, we'll say, two talent development outsiders, right? Not insiders. We're not yeah. working in the role, right? And you work in sales. And so some people will be like, oh, he's in sales. He just he just cares about making money or getting a sale or whatever. And of course, we're all driven by you know growing revenue for our companies and, and things like that. But right. one thing that I think sticks out and is interesting about you right away is that you clearly care a lot, not only about your clients, but about what's going on in the industry. You're the type of person who is going to take the approach of, I want to know everything that's going on so I can bring insight and value to every conversation I have. So that if I talk with a a prospect or a client, they walk away, even if you don't end up doing business together, they walk away going, man, that was valuable. That was, that was good use of my time. And I can't wait to talk with him again. Can you talk just about that approach from a a sales perspective? Absolutely. I mean, I think, uh, honestly, like my, my sales career changed when I put down the sales books and I picked up the bio psychology books, right? Like that's when everything changed for me, when I could have those conversations with my buyers and really understand like what they were were going through. And I, I have to give credit where credit's due, right? Like I spent my first like, you know, entrance into this space was with a company called Better Up out on the West Coast. And uh, I thought I was going to come in and I was going to sell coaching and like I was going to be really good. And I was going to blow out my number and which I did. But at the same time, I had access to PhDIO psychologists or we called them people scientists at, at that that company. And, and, and they would come alongside of me in my sales process and really just like 
just help guide me in those conversations and tell me like, Darren, like your buyer doesn't care about this. They care about behavioral change. They care about outcomes. They care about like all of the things that you're not talking about. So can you do that? And so it was at that point, like that, that, that critical moment where I was like, all right, I have to, I have to really lean in and I have to really study. I almost have to get a mini MBA in this in order to be able to have conversations with Fortune 50 chief learning officers, which I do all day, every day. And so that was, that was a pivotal moment for me. Yeah. And and you and I have a lot in common in that way. And that I started selling and running programs in this space years ago, doing experiential learning, leadership development. And then I started this podcast initially as a way to just connect with more people in talent development. And I learned so much about what people are working on, what's going on, especially all these niche areas that maybe I'm not as much involved in, like performance management and things like that, succession planning, some things that we're going to talk about today. Uh, And it's great to have that holistic view so you can have that conversation because you might get on a call to talk about coaching But if the big goal that they're working on right now is about revamping performance management, it's nice to be able to talk with them about that so that you can see how, you know, everything complements each other. Yeah. And I think too, like I, I, I have to realize at times also that like I'll get in these conversations and sometimes I don't have exactly what they need. And so I need, I also need to be able to have the person in my back pocket to say like, oh, you're talking about skills. You should talk to this person. Oh, you're talking about like, and, and that's that relationship that we're building. And man, I just want to give you credit. Like every single person that I talk to knows who you are. And so I hope you step back and like realize what you've done over the last few years. And I know you started it just to like build community, but like you've built one of the best learning communities on, 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 on the platform of LinkedIn and, and, and in real life. So, um, mm. I don't know, just pat yourself on the back a little bit. I know it's hard to do. Yeah. Thank you. I'm dealing with some shoulder problems right now. So it's a little bit hard <laughs> to pat myself on the back literally, but I'll do it figuratively. And I appreciate that. I've always said, you know, for long said, one of my goals is to build the biggest network in talent development. And, uh, I love talking with people, hearing what they have going on. And so speaking of that, I know you do a lot of that as well. I saw a post that you, something you posted a couple of weeks ago about sort of the, the biggest trends that you're seeing coming out of conversations that you've been having with chief learning officers and different talent leaders. And I wonder if we could go through some of that as we're in February, 2024, sort of state of talent development. Like what are some of the big things that you're seeing going on in the space right now? Yeah. I mean, I think that's good. I'm actually going to pull up that exact, that exact, exact post yeah. that, that you I'll pull it up as well and I'll I'll get you started because one of the first things you mentioned was succession planning. And I think this is a really interesting one because A, when I talk with people in learning development, talent development, this comes up a lot. Like a lot of people are yeah. talking about performance management, succession planning. And I think it's always important and it's always challenging. But my view of the market right now is that lots of companies have been doing layoffs. I've been going through strategic changes. You see, many people have told me like, oh, our whole entire executive team has turned over or like lots of leadership changes. And this throws a whole wrench in this idea of succession planning. So what are you seeing with regards to that? Yeah. Right now? I think the first conversation that I, that I had exposure with this on um, was with a company out of Texas and we're having conversation and um, he threw out the term. He said, "Hey, man, I'm 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 thinking today for 2035." Hmm. And uh, I was like, "Man, that's kind of a, a long ways away." And he was like, "It's really it's really not that far." And I I have to know that like, all right, I've got this high potential program, right? But maybe that's ICs and first time managers. They've got a long ways to go to get exposure to understanding our entire business. And I've got this like 
middle level of like senior managers, first time directors that maybe have like 10 or 15 direct reports. And we kind of refer to those as like the forgotten middle, right? That kind of like, oh, they know what they're doing, you know, but that, but that, that senior director level, those are the people that we need to make sure that they have the exposures in the business to be able to be in the C-suite or executive leadership team when it comes to succession planning. And so we're having a lot of conversations, all right, like how do we get the salesperson access to marketing? How do we get the marketing person access to operations? How do we get the global head of learning and development access to understanding what's happening in finance? And so it's really trying to make sure that they have the exposures and the assignments to really know that like they can get to the point where they can lead a business. I mean, quite frankly, there's just not a lot of companies that are doing that well right now. And, and we're starting to see more focus on it. I had another conversation recently where it was like, hey, we're a global business all the people that have, we've identified for high potentials are in this one area of the world, but most of our revenue is generated way over here. How are we going to get them over there? Right. And so there's just so many things that like as learning leaders often, you know, I'm not one myself, but like, don't think about that as like a full picture. Yeah. So succession planning has been a massive, massive conversation in, in at least 50% of my conversations today. That's a, that's amazing. That's coming up so much that we really have to be thinking far into the future Lots of leadership development programs going on, lots of hypo development programs going on. And part of that needs to be, hey, we're developing the leaders of the future. We want our leaders to be thinking about where those people are going. Related to that, one of the other things you mentioned in that post a little bit further down, we're not going in order here, is the quote unquote, the forgotten middle. And mm. this idea of that middle layer, I think you were talking more about them getting coaching yeah. But also just this idea of development. I spoke with our mutual friend, Megan Galloway on the podcast uh, not too long ago, our you know leadership yeah. development expert. And I asked her like, hey, lots of companies are thinking about developing new leadership development programs. Where should they start? At the top, at the front line or with that middle? Yeah. And oftentimes the, the middle sort of gets forgotten. Yeah, it, it is so true. And I think the reason why is, um, is think about it, man. Like we come into the business, maybe you're highly recruited, right? You're an IC, you do a really good job. You had some development. You were on like this, this path that they gave you when you started, right? And then maybe you get to like a manager level, you've got a couple direct reports and uh, you still have a little bit of support because you're a quote unquote first time leader, right? Maybe there's a program that's in place for that. And then all of a sudden you're like, you're a senior manager, you're a director, you've got 20, 30 people. And um, everybody's like, nah. You know, Darren and Andy, like they got it. They, they, I think we've, we've invested in them enough. Yeah. Um, and the word enough to me is just not enough. Yeah. Uh, and so, and, and I, I think I love, I love whenever organizations are focusing on that point, because quite frankly, they're touching the most people. They've got 20, 30 direct reports. There's, there's, there's tons of them in the middle. Also, they have direct access to that senior director and ELT line. So they can impact the entire business. So when we forget about them, we kind of forget about like the entire lifeblood of our organization. Yeah, no doubt. There's so much more influence, so much going on there. And what we used to think about and talk about when I was running more leadership development programs in the past is this idea that, you know, the senior executives are conveying this new strategy. There's a lot of change-ups going on lately, right? And they're hashing it out in meetings for months and then they go and present it out. And it's really up to that middle layer to really convey what the new strategy is to the front line. But they weren't involved in those meetings. They don't know yeah. what's, what really went into that. They're just being told, getting an email and saying, hey, go tell your people to do this. Like from a, you know, if it's sales, like here's the new sales direction. I had a conversation with a, a senior L&D person recently who was like really frustrated that the sales force weren't really like 
grabbing on to this new sales strategy and the new like revenue goals. And I'm like, well, has it really been communicated well enough that they feel like they're right. aligned to it? Are the managers aligned to it? So they're communicating well to other people? Cause that's who you need to be involved. Yeah. I mean, as a sales guy, I can, I can totally, totally get that, that feeling as well. Um, but yeah. And I mean, to the coaching point, like, like these people are yearning for learning. Um, they're, they're, their managers are typically really busy. And so there's no, there's no better way to get them access to like outside thinking and also like the ability to feel safe and some, cause they're dealing with, oftentimes they're dealing with the hardest problems in the business. And, and quite frankly, like it's hard to talk to our leaders about those things sometimes and the individuals that are, that, that are reporting to us. And so being able to have a coach to say like, Hey man, like this is what's coming around the corner. Like help, help me work through this. How do I communicate this? How do I, like it, it's just a game changer. Anything you're seeing while we're on the topic of leadership, because everyone I talk to, when I ask, hey, what are you working on these days? What are your top goals or priorities for 2024? It's nearly 100% people say we're working on new leadership development programs or revamping our leadership development program, right? Anything you're seeing in terms of best practices or what are the most common trends with regards to approaching leadership development these days? Yeah, it's a good question. I'm hearing a lot about skills. Mm. How do we upskill the entire workforce? How do we get learning into the hands of as many people as possible? There's a lot of AI conversation on like, can that can that do that? And my my fear a little bit is like, can is that a check the box right? Like, is that just saying that we we've got learning curriculum in front of everyone, um, or is it really like strategically thought out? I'd probably say the 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 most trending thing and the most exciting thing that I'm seeing lately is is C-suite involvement in building out L&D programs. I'm seeing, I mean, listen, I've launched, we've launched six companies since November. And in every single one of those conversations, we've had C-suite alignment and launch planning. Mm. That did not happen last year or the year before. And so I think it's 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 the C-suite getting like really deep and understanding like, oh, this, this is what L&D is doing. This is what yeah. my CLO is is tackling. And also what that does is it it helps the employees feel empowered to like feel safe in these conversations when it comes to coaching. And so that's probably been one of the things that I've 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 loved the most. We're also seeing like a a pretty large investment. I'd say 70% of the engagements that we're launching right now are focused on that GM level. So that C-suite minus one, two, three, where they've got a full business line under them. They, they essentially are trying to be the CEO or the president of their line of business. And the CEO is asking them to, to, to do that. Here, here's the problem. They've never been an entrepreneur. Like they've never been a CEO. They've never been a president. So like, how do they have the resources to be able to lead this entire business unit? So we're actually partnering with these organizations, bringing in coaches that have been GMs, that have been operators, that have scaled and grown and sold businesses to make them feel like they have the support in that area. And that's been something that's been huge. Oh, I like that. I love that you mentioned CEO and C-suite involvement and alignment. One of the things we used to talk about a lot back when I was in more consulting with BTS years ago, is that you absolutely, it's critical to have alignment from leadership. Otherwise, you're gonna build a program and put it out there and then they're gonna go, what is this? I don't agree with this. And it's like back to the drawing board. And I've heard many L&D people tell me about the mistakes they've made with that in the past and how they needed to slow down and make sure they were co-creating or getting alignment from the executives or the C-suite or the sponsors. But that's not always easy. And you mentioned that you, you seeing like a shift there so I'm just curious if you have a sense of what is maybe changing. Is it executives being more interested in being involved? Is it L&D leaders getting better at 
influencing and persuading and getting them involved and any idea what you, what you see going on there? Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm not in the seat, so it's hard for right. me to like answer that question yeah. uh, strategically. I will say that I think the, the learning leader population and community are doing like a tremendous job in articulating like the reasons why behind mm -hmm. a lot of the advancement in these programs. I mean, I think Keith Keating's books talks about that specifically in a couple of chapters of like, how do you, how do you push that up to the C-suite to make sure that they feel comfortable with the programs that, that, that you're building. So I think, I think that that's critical. I also think like, and this is me just saying like saying something like kind of wild out here. I think the future generations, my kids and in between my kids and myself, they're way more learning heavy than than quite frankly I was as as a kid and, and my parents were um, you know, as they were going up through the business. You know, my dad used to say, listen, like, you know, pull up your boots, tighten your belt, and work hard and think good things will happen. And that's true to a certain extent, but like mm. my kids are like, where's my coach? Mm. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And so I think now as we've gotten a little bit of a shift in the C-suite, as it comes to generational you know, growth, we're starting to see just more desire for learning. Yeah, which is fantastic. Huge. One of the challenges that comes up right now, you and I were just chatting a little bit about this before we started recording, is so many companies right now are trying to do more with less, right? There's been a lot of cutbacks and yet companies are still growing. And I'm getting a sense as I'm speaking with L&D leaders that they're a little bit more stressed. They feel like they have more pressure to, to do more with maybe less of a team. I spoke with one client yesterday who basically is like, let his team go. It's just him now. And he's doing everything and they haven't stopped doing any of the things. Right. And so he's like, I'd nonstop. I'm wearing different hats, you know, all that sort of stuff. And one of the questions he asked me was like, Hey, what do you companies are approaching finding the time for people to go through learning programs if this everyone's like, you know, quote unquote, too busy. So I'm curious if you're hearing anything or seeing anything there. Yeah. I'll address the the first piece a little bit on the, on like the budget and kind of strains of like what's happening right now in the current space. I, I think what used to happen, I'll just go back a couple of years where, you know, I'd sell a $300,000 deal for coaching to a business and it would all come right from the learning budget, right? Like, mm -hmm. like CLO would sign off on it and be good to go. It's a little bit different now. And and what I mean by that and is business unit lines are starting to pay for that out of their own business unit lines, which is which is really interesting. So going to the SVP of sales, going to the VP of marketing, going to the you know senior director of engineering and saying, hey, like what like what do you want to invest in into learning to be able to like grow, lead, and train your people? And so we're oftentimes grabbing 30K here, 80K here, 100K here, and 50K here to get to like that sum of, of, of a big contract coaching throughout the company. So just yeah. having to get more strategic using learning and development budgets and then covering half of the rest of it with the business and half of it with the L&D stipend that's already there. So many things that we're starting to see that are just that are just different. So that's that piece. Getting people access to coaching while they're, you know, doing two, three, four jobs. I don't think there's ever a better time to get them coaching mm. in, that, in that scenario. It could mean that they're doing them after hours. It could mean that they're doing them in the mornings or on, on the weekends or that they need to make sure that like that meetingless Monday that's on the calendar actually is a meetingless Monday for the company, right? Right, right. And so they just have to carve that out. I'm also seeing like a little bit of a shift in like we used to sell, you know, 18 sessions of coaching that are spread out equally across the year. Now we're seeing some companies that want to do 18 sessions in 18 weeks. It's just short sprints instead of mm. like all through the year. I and mean, that's just catering to the learner, catering to the person yeah. and not telling them exactly what they have to do. And I think that helps. And I think a lot of people are like, to your point, people 
are more interested in learning than ever before because they know how important it is. So a lot of people are going to find the time. They're going to make the time for it. Not everybody. I think everybody, a lot of people are still trying to figure that out. A lot of people don't realize how you know much control they might have over their time and the importance of prioritizing learning and other things. But they're going to, a lot of people are going to figure it out. Related to that, you know, there's a, there's some sort of downward pressure in terms of costs and, you know, people having to do more things right now. And yet there's still a lot of pressure for growth. And one of the things you mentioned in that post was the pressure for more global scale. Like everybody's talking about how do we, you know, whatever we're doing, if we're a global company or even a national company, whatever, like how do we scale this more? What are you, what are you seeing there? Yeah, I think it's, it's, um, it's hard that that's re- it's it's really hard for a company that's that's global to figure out like what solution can help us in every single part of the world that we're at and oftentimes that comes with like a really high ticket price as well and so you you go from that $300,000 coaching program is now a, a 3 million dollar coaching program right it goes from that coaching company like ourselves going from 160 coaches to now having to have 250 coaches that we're supporting leaders across the world so i think it's it's critically important from like a, a culture standpoint. It's critically important from like just a feeling of like support from wherever your global headquarters is. Like oftentimes we used to see like global headquarters got all the support and then our sub, you know, subcategory HQs around the world weren't getting enough. And so we're moving towards a direction now where like we need to have that equal for all, but it's really hard, really hard. Yeah, no doubt. There's just, uh, I mean, there's a lot of companies going, everybody's going in different directions, different strategies. I think there's more pressure to grow and produce with what we have. A lot of these things go in cycles. We'll see how that goes in the future. Along the way, one of the things you mentioned in your post was clarity, feedback, and ROI focus. I think this might've been more about coaching, but we're going to see this with lots of different programs and things we're running is like the increased need for that. So what was that about? Yeah. So I, I'll just tell you exactly what that was about. <laughs> so it, one of the conversations that we that we get into a lot is like, you know, maybe a company is using like um, a massive coaching provider, pretty low cost. They're able to just kind of like bring them in and, and you know, it, give people unlimited sessions. And that is what that is. Right. And then on the other side of the spectrum, there's, you know, your your high level boutique coaching providers that are 30, 40, 50, 60 thousand dollars for a coach. Oftentimes that side over there, it, it it can be hard to measure ROI and to get clarity and to have people on platform and to make sure that like outcomes and behavioral change are happening in that like super, super high ticket coaching environment. And so my 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 post was directly talking about like how can we bridge that gap? How can we get access to more, but while also having like really high quality coaches with with those outcomes, those goals, that clarity, that scope and alignment with our buyer there internally. And there's just not many organizations that are doing that. That's one of the reasons why we were founded. We're trying to figure that process out. How do we get high quality coaches? Mm -hmm. How do we get high quality clients? And then how do we make sure we bridge the gap with like data outcomes, behavioral change goals, all in there in session and platform. So it's just, it's just hypercritical. We have to articulate that to our buyers every 30 days. They have to know what is going on. Um, otherwise they look up and uh, I just had a conversation with the, uh, a VP of talent development. They looked up, did an audit in their business. They had 16 coaching providers around the world. Ooh. Six, 16 millions yeah. and millions of dollars. They had no idea. Wow. 
That's uh, yeah, that's shocking. And I have, I've heard that from some other clients recently as well, not just about coaching, but more about learning programs that, Hey, this has been more decentralized. We've got all these different programs in different places. Companies are bringing their own stuff. Sometimes it could be duplicative. We want to make sure that we take an you know audit and see what's going on. I had one really well-known global company I was talking with that wanted to bring in my content for their career development, but they said, Hey, before we do that, we want to audit everything that we have because there's lots of different programs going on in different places and want to make sure that we're taking the right approach and that this is something we can scale across the organization. We're going to have clarity. We're going to get a good ROI and it's not going to be confusing with the other things that are going on. And and I, I couldn't disagree with that approach, right? I think it's the right way to go. Related to that, something you mentioned in your post was the idea of strategic coaching pilots. And I know you were talking more about yeah. coaching. I'm seeing the same thing in my business that companies are interested in licensing deals or running my, you know, asking questions about how do we scale your program globally to teach everybody to own their careers, but let's start with a pilot so we can evaluate and, and see what's going on. Listen, man, we've, we've, we've been in business just shy of three years. So it's like having somebody sign a three-year contract with us. Like I would love that. And uh, as a salesperson, like that would be a dream of mine, but quite frankly, like they need to get their feet wet and understand like how we can, how we can operate inside of their business. Quite frankly, I think they should be doing that anyway with large yeah. organizations. I mean, I, I am in literally in the process now with a company that's in a three-year locked agreement with a coaching provider and it's not going well. Mm. They're averaging like four sessions per six months per people says so eight sessions per year of coaching. It just doesn't work, but they can't, they, there's nothing they can do. Can't get out of it. Yeah. But I, I probably shouldn't say this as like a sales leader, but uh, I'm going to say it. I think as an, as an L and D leader, I think you should consistently have two coaching providers in, in the business battling it out. Mm. See which sure one's performing better. Make sure you know which one's performing. Cause you might think that yours is performing great. It might be terrible compared yeah. to what else is out there or yeah. what's terrible you think is like, eh, and then there's actually just worse ones out there. Yeah. I mean, we're currently right now have, have uh, an organization that has 27 people getting coaching with us and 50 people getting coaching with another company. We're doing a side by side every three months to understand like where, where we're winning, where we're losing. Yeah. And, and like, does it make sense to bring them all into us or to them, quite frankly? Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. I'm thinking of a personal example. You know, we moved to Spain just under six months ago. And of course, had to get a new mobile phone provider. And uh, I think I signed with the wrong mobile phone provider when I got here. The service has just not been very good. And there's some like little things about it made me think we should have gone with the other. We, of course, we locked in on a 12-month contract, but I guess it's only about <laughs> six months less. So, and then I can then I can rethink that when we get there. But is that then why, you, that why you don't answer my phone calls, man? I'm just That's kidding. why. Exactly. Yeah. That's my excuse. Um, yeah. No, it's uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a whole story of like me going back and forth at this store, and uh, you know, obviously there's language issues as well, but it's uh, it's been a learning experience for sure. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about here is impactful in-person meetings. Something you mentioned. Mm. Now, of course, we're in the post-COVID world, 2024. We saw a huge, huge shift of everything going virtual, and now we're seeing some things coming back. A lot of people being asked to go back to the office, and I think a lot of L and D professionals, as they put programs together, are trying to figure out the right mix of like what should be virtual, what should be in person. Where the default used to be in person, now the default is definitely virtual. But there's yeah. a lot of consideration, a lot to be said for being, bringing people together in person. Dude, it's, this is like one of my favorite topics. I'll talk about it in two directions really quick. Yeah. I think being in person is really what 
helped us win last year mm. as a small business going up against like Goliaths in the space, right? The fact that we would hop into a plane and, you know, fly to Bowling Green and meet with a customer in person or to Toronto um, and sit in a boardroom with, you know, 15 people in L&D for one of the largest companies in the world to like talk about strategy. I do think that's what helped us win, right? Like they could shake our hands, like understanding who we were as people. None of our competition ever stepped foot in the room. Mm. It's a bit, it's a big deal. I'm not saying that this is something that you have to do, but quite frankly, I'm having a lot of learning leaders being like, Hey, like, I don't really want to meet on zoom, but just let me know next time you're in town. Yeah. You know what I do? I just book the flight. Right. Hey, I'm going to be in town. I'm in town next week. I'll be there, you know? And then, and then there's five, six, I mean, we have nine meetings in Chicago on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of next week in person that did not, that didn't happen, you know, early last year and the year before. And from a coaching perspective, we're seeing a pretty large need for in-person workshops and trainings. Those are kind of dead last year and the year before. But I think we're trying to figure out, so my very first point in this conversation, how do we get coaching into the hands of as many people as possible? Workshops and trainings can really help in that area, especially if you're at an SKO, you're at an offsite and you've got, you know, 150 people in the room and you can have a workshop and training around a specific thing. So we're we're seeing that some more. And in the C-suite, we're starting to get some asks for like, hey, I need my coach in person, hmm. which is very interesting that, I haven't seen, you know, late. I think people which, are, which was, by the way, I think before the pandemic, executive coaching Normal. in person was pretty common, right? I, I knew, yeah. a, I know a very successful executive coach in who's lives in LA and he was in New York, like at least monthly, if not more often working with, to sit with clients. Now he charged a, a, a large amount of money for his coaching. Yeah. So maybe it was worth it to go and, and make the trip in person, but then everybody just started doing it virtually. So I could see some of that coming back. Yeah, it's coming back. I mean, I think to your point, like, I mean, for anybody listening, like there are still coaches charging 100, 150,000 a year for, for, for them to coach C-suite leaders in person. It's, yeah. it's still out there. I mean, it's still something that's happening. Right. Yeah. I think this person I'm thinking about was one of those people <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure he gets results, which is, which is great. Absolutely. Right? And we're in this yeah. kind of different spaces between that singular in-person executive coach and the coaching more at scale for, you know, as you cascade down, especially to the middle and it maybe doesn't make sense to get everybody together in person, but more for workshops, you can do that. And what I'm seeing with a lot of bigger companies is they're starting these hypo programs that are more like a six month journey that yeah. start start with getting together in person and then have like a series of virtual sessions and then finish with an in-person like three day so week so that people can bond and, and build relationships, right? And learn in person and then keep the learning going without having to travel all the time and then bring it back together to close it out in the end. I mean, what you're, what you just said is exactly what we, we just launched 41 high potential, like senior directors at a business. It's a six month journey hmm. beginning. They all come together at the middle. They all come together in sub pods right. of like what they were talking about in their coaching. And at the end, they all come together and do a capstone. So it's actually really, 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 really cool to, to see that, that happen. And this is part of a three-year learning journey. I like that. I like that. We got to talk more about what that looks like and uh, how we can bring in more, you know, career development into those uh, those interventions. Absolutely, I'm, I'm I'm game. Number nine on the list is L and D leader community building. You know, I'm big on community building. I love I love the topic. So tell me what you meant or what you're seeing there. Okay, so I have like the 
I'm, I'm fortunate to have a, a CEO that is like very and founder, very, very community focused. Jessica Wolf, if anybody's listening, go, go give her a follow. She's one of the reasons why I joined the company 17 months ago. And uh, one of the things that we that we kept hearing in all of our conversations were L&D talent, OD leaders feeling like they just didn't have a lot of people to talk to. And that was like a that was a, a it honestly that made it made me sad. I was launching programs, they weren't in them. Um so now every time we launch a program, we're like, make sure you put yourself in them. And so we Jess has been doing dinners in, in multiple different cities around the US. And then we just full-fledged went full force into them. So we've got 20 one scheduled for this year where wow. we're bringing 10 to 15 L&D leaders together in multiple different cities around the US. Once they're in those dinners, they can actually enter into a, a Slack channel that where they can build community and have advice and have a job board and have like different city perspectives of, the, of their jobs. And so it's really honestly for us, it was just a place for like them to feel seen and to be able to like use their voices in a safe space. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And you know, I'm all about community. I think it's the future really, because yeah. people are working remotely. They are, you know, so while we're even together, we're separate from so many people and people feel lonely. They're not like really collaborating as much as maybe they were in the past. And it's just nice to have to know there are people you can go to, to ask questions, to talk to that, like have your back or supporting you, cheering you on. That's always been big for me, especially in my entrepreneurial journey, which is a big reason why I wanted to create a community for the talent development space, which we did with the, the talent development think tank going back to 2020. So it's cool to hear how your, you know, your company and your founder, your CEO is doing that with dinners around the U S because it's not just building an online community, but building community in person, bringing people together to yeah. really talk and break bread and like really share with each other. Yeah. I mean, they're like two and a half, three hour dinners and they're, they're just a blast. We just had one in San Francisco like two weeks ago and um, it was just special, man. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Related to that, the last topic on your list is L and D and HR leaders or people investing in themselves. And yeah. you just mentioned right there, like people, you know, L and D creating a coaching program and not putting themselves in it. I have seen this time and time again throughout my entire career, working with people in L and D organizing the program, and then sitting in the back of the room, working email and not engaging in the program, whether they A, think they're too busy or B, think they're not worthy or it's for other people, not for them. And I don't know if that's changed. I've definitely been sort of trying to beat the drum that like, hey, you know, the whole adage of like, put your oxygen mask on first or, you know, fill your cup so that it runs over and you can you can share with others. Yeah. Are, you, are you seeing a shift there? Because you, you mentioned that in the post. Seeing a little bit of shift, but it's kind of a forceful shift. <laughs> like I'm, I'm having to be that person, unfortunately. Like, and, and and still to this to this day, like, listen, if I'm I'm working with a senior director of L and D, and they're building a senior director pilot for coaching, I get the list, and they're not on it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you are a senior director. It's like, oh, but I'm in I'm in learning. Mm -hmm. and I'm like. What, probably one of the most critical pieces of the business. So you should probably put yourself in there. Right. And I don't know that it's actually a senior director of learnings fault by any means. I think that's a, that's a, that's a conversation that needs to have with the CPO or, or whoever's leading people at the entire organization to make sure that their people are getting support just as much as everyone else's people. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I don't think it's like common space yet, yeah. but I think it should be for sure. Yeah. And you know, you and I both talk, and build relationships with a lot of people in L&D. L&D professionals by nature are selfless. They love helping others yeah. and their job is all about supporting and developing others. And oftentimes when people are like that, they miss developing themselves or investing in themselves because it's all about helping other people. And I want to remind you, if you're that person listening, 
that it's critical that you invest in your own development and growth. And the more you do, the more it's going to pay off and allow you to help other people. Like I've just experienced it myself. I've invest, invested thousands and thousands of dollars and tons of time into my own development and growth. And it just allows me to keep doing more things to help other people around me in my community because I've invested in myself. That's where it starts. It's hard to do, but you've got to like tell yourself you're worth it and and make the time. Yeah. I don't have anything else to add there. I think you're exactly right. Yeah. So as we wrap this up, Darren, we, we covered a lot of things, uh, you know, from this post and like what we're both seeing in, in talent development, anything we missed that you think is a, a big trend or something else that you're seeing that's worth mentioning before we end this conversation? I talked a lot. I think this, this one, there's one other piece that I think is, is getting brought up a lot in the coaching space, particularly. So if anybody's listening and you lead coaching programs internally for years, it was like, License-based approach. Everybody got a license for coaching. You could, you know, have this many sessions throughout the entirety of the year. We've had a lot of requests lately for more of a bank style of sessions versus sessions allocated to a person. So company, you know, buying 500 licenses and be able to allocate them as they want throughout the business because things shift and change so much. That's been really interesting and something that we're exploring deeply. And uh, it's been it's 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 happening in a lot of conversations as of late. So just something to think about. Yeah, you reminded me of one more question I want to ask you because I know that you are willing to take a, sort of an objective approach on this, despite you know what you're offering. Uh, it's sort of a two-part question for L&D leaders who are listening, who are interested in bringing coaching into their organization. From an external perspective, they're going to bring in an external provider. What should they be looking for to make sure it's a good fit? And then the second part or flip side of that is, if you know coaching is important, but you don't really have the budget to bring in an external provider, what are some things that we can be doing to just improve, you know, sort of coaching type conversations going on in the company? I think number one, like quality of coach is very, very important. Do those coaches have context into the business that that you're running? Also, like, is the coaching provider paying those coaches well? That will that will show you a lot of of how they're you know going to perform inside of the business. And then number three is just like, are you going to have the support by like a customer success or an account management team to to really understand like what's happening with those programs? Because if not, it's just a check the box. It's going to like go there to die, and you'll have to go find out that stuff and you know run surveys internally. And it just takes up like a ton of your time. Like my job is to make you a hero, not mm-hmm. to make you work more. And so that's the key. If you don't have the budget, I, I mean, I've always been in the in the mind frame of like coached people, coach people. So if you can get a couple people coaching, listen, a lot of coaching companies will tell you like, you've got to coach 20% of the staff in order to see true change in the organization. Like there is some science behind that, but like if you can only afford to coach a few people, coach them. They're probably going to change their business unit, which is going to change another business unit. Um, and to the workshop and training piece, if you're like really strained on budget, co-create a really nice workshop and training and do them quarterly and have people attend them. And uh, I mean, there's so many things that that you can do. Also, like I have this conversation all the time. There are probably, if you're a 5,000 person company, there are probably four or five ICF certified coaches inside of your business. Allocate them to a few different leaders in the business. Don't don't not pay them more, actually pay them more to do that. Hmm. The, my, my biggest pet peeve is you know, finding ICF certified coaches internally, making them coach and not pay them anymore. Right. Um, so just adding just, to their job, like we talked yeah, about. Just, just think about that. But that's a way to get around the budget cost for sure. Yeah, I like it. Darren, this has been so great. We've covered so many great topics, so many interesting things that are going on in talent development. I know it's been valuable for 
our listeners, especially those who work in talent development, who are thinking about some of these things, writing down some notes for people who want to get in touch with you, maybe to talk about coaching or any of the other topics. I know you are very active on LinkedIn, so that's probably the best way to go. But if there's anything other resources you want to share, go ahead. No, man, I've shared enough. Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn and or at joinsky.com. If you fill out anything, it'll probably go to me. (laughs) Um, So yeah, that's it. Um, Man, this was an absolute joy. These things make me better. And so I appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you, Darren. Hang on. We got our bonus Q&A coming up. For those of you listening, I hope you got value from this conversation. Write down some notes. Think about what you're going to do differently, what trends you're latching onto, how you want to take advantage of the things that are going on in the marketplace. I'm a big fan of the idea, advocate of the idea that everything is an opportunity, even the challenges that we face, right? How do we turn our challenges into opportunities? If you're someone that's facing challenges, you know, on the topic of community, we're having lots of great conversations in the talent development think tank community. And uh, you can find all of the information about our podcast, our community and our upcoming conference by going to tdtt.us. That's tdtt.us. So community podcast and upcoming events. Take some notes, find your community, find people you can connect with. I appreciate you listening, sharing with your colleagues, leaving reviews, all the things you've been doing to support the podcast. So keep listening and uh, go do something kind for yourself and for someone else this week. Take care. Take care.